Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today, and I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be bringing forth a weekly message where we're looking at a portion of Scripture within the Bible, looking at its historical context, but really just proclaiming the truth of what God is saying. And this is something we're going to try to do every week. And today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 27. If you ask most people, what is your favorite psalm? Some people say Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, is known all around the world. Some say Psalm 119. Others will say Psalm 2 or Psalm 22, that's dealing with the Messiah. Psalm 110, such a beautiful psalm about through David, a priesthood through his family would be established forever. But when I look at my favorite psalm, and it doesn't mean that one is greater than the other, but one that just kind of touches my heart or speaks to my life in such a a special way, it is Psalm chapter 27. And so constantly I go back to this psalm to see the powerful message that David brings. And when David writes a psalm, you don't even really sometimes have to go to the commentaries and to look up, was this a psalm of David? Because you just feel his heart as he's writing this song of praise unto God. And so today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 27 about unconditional trust and faith in God and what is truly important in our walk with God. And today I have Samuel Shmuel that's with me, hasn't been with me for some time, but greet everybody, Samuel. Hey everybody, I'm back. (laughs) Yes, he's back and it's been some time, he's been working hard, so we've had Samuel Shmuel Yoni which here in America is Johnny, and then we also have Alan. And so we're just doing our best to bring God's word to you. Let's look at Psalm chapter 27. And I'm going to read the first three verses. The fourth verse is the most powerful, one of the most powerful statements about David in his walk with the Lord, especially as you see it within its historical context. But let's read the first three verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident." Now, when we look at these three verses, it really shows a man that is really confident in his faith in God. And if you read this, you would think that David is in a situation that everything's going well. He's probably in Jerusalem. In fact, Jerusalem is not even the capital of Israel at this time. It's David, once he consolidates the kingdom that makes Jerusalem the capital, and it becomes known as the city of David. So where is David traditionally? If we look at the traditional understanding of where he's writing this psalm, 
It's in a place near the Dead Sea called Engedi. Engedi is a beautiful place that if you walk up into Engedi, into the springs and the waterfalls and the mountains, there's a lot of caves that are there in Engedi. And it is believed that this is where David took his, his army, just a, a small army of a few hundred individuals. I cannot even remember right now, 600, 700 men, that they're running for their lives. They are running from Saul and all of Israel that is coming against David and this little small army that probably has these men have some conflicts with Saul and they're running for their lives, trying to protect themselves, trying to protect their families. David is separated from his immediate family. He's separated from his father and his mother. He's hiding out in the caves of Engedi in order to protect himself. And this is the historical setting of Psalm chapter 27. This is the place where David's going to cut the robe of Saul, Shaul, and cut his robe and say, let Saul know I could have killed you, but who am I to touch God's anointed? Mm -hmm. And someday, Samuel, when you come to Israel, I want to take you to Engedi. We've hiked almost to the top and spent hours hiking up, and there's caves everywhere, waterfalls, water sources, and it's one of the most beautiful places, I believe, in the whole world. Because you have the Dead Sea, which is the lowest point on earth, Mm -hmm. but then you're up in the waterfalls by the Dead Sea and in greenery and water. And when you look out from Engedi to the Dead Sea, it's one of the most beautiful sights I've ever had the experience of seeing. It's a beautiful place, but it was a perfect place for hiding for David and his men. And so in the context of what he's writing in the first three verses, it really, as we read it again, I want you to read these three verses, if you would, Samuel. Mm -hmm. Think of it again within that context, a context where he's desperate, where he's lonely, separated from his family, fighting for his own life, fighting for his future, fighting for or trying to protect himself of God's anointing that is upon him to be the king of Israel. And when you look at this, his mindset is that God has told me that I I would be king and have a throne established forever. But now he's hiding out in the caves of En Gedi. So let's read these first three verses again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. So his first statement is, the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. If God is our light, and if God is our salvation, and if we truly believe that within our own heart, then why would we ever walk in fear? Why would we ever walk in doubt, confusion? Why would we ever walk in a sense of discouragement to the point that we want to give up? If we truly understand the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation— Now, some of you say, well, other Psalms that David writes, he writes in a way that he's so discouraged and he doesn't understand 
But when you read the end of David's Psalms, almost every time he comes back to the understanding of who God is Mm -hmm. and that I will put my trust in God. So yes, there are low times in everybody's life. There are times of uncertainty. But if we know that the Lord is our light and our salvation, whom shall we fear? Right. When we truly believe that. And so when Paul writes to Timothy in the New Covenant Scriptures, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. If we're walking in the power of God's Spirit, then why do we walk in fear? Why would a believer walk in fear? Why would a believer fear death? Why would a believer fear the future? And I meet so many people today that are walking in fear about what's going to take place in the future. And it should be, the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Right, right. The Lord is the defense of your life. Whom shall you dread? So yes, evildoers are going to come. Mm-hmm. Trouble's going to come. David's going to have many, many years of fighting to protect himself. And even after Shaul is dead and gone, the main person trying to kill him, it's going to take him seven years to consolidate his power to become mm-hmm. king over all of Israel. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about an easy road that when you say, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation, whom shall I fear? That means everything's going to work out okay. That's not what we're saying. Right. But in the midst of all of that trouble, all of that confusion, all of that uncertainty, we can have the stability of knowing who God is. And if our life is in God's hands, why should we walk in fear? Right. Almost the whole story of David throughout this time where he's running from Saul and uh, all these things are happening to him. These Psalms kind of tell you the perspective, the, the heart perspective that he has and that we should have about this world. And everything that goes on in the physical life, whether it be sickness or adversity of any kind, it pales in comparison to the promises that God has for us, the salvation of God. And when we keep that first in our mind, knowing that no matter what I go through, no matter what problems occur in my life, I know that there is a greater glory that God has promised. Yes. And if we keep that first in our mind, I feel like that can encourage us to get through and endure knowing that there's something greater that we're holding on to, that we don't have to hold on to our health and feel like that is the thing that we live for or hold on to our finances and feel like that is the thing that we live for. We're living for something that's not in this world for something totally yes. different. And, and let's look at that. In a Western culture, everything sometimes about our faith is about the positive outcome, mm-hmm. about how I receive what I'm wanting to receive. I have a, a coach that's one of my favorite coaches. He always says it's about the process. And when you look at the, the walk with the Lord, it's about the process of trusting God throughout the process of what we're going through. It's not about the positive result of this life, but it's really about the eternal things of God. Amen. And that's what you're talking about there. And so embrace the process, he would say. And the people that embrace the process and, and do not want to run away from the process, 
in a spiritual sense of what God is doing in our lives and through our lives for his glory, the appreciation of God and the relationship with God becomes so strong as you embrace that process. Mm -hmm. So David is in a process of right now of many years of tribulation and trials and things coming to his life that he's not going to be able to run away from, but he's going to have to stand strong and have stability through that process. Right. Now, verse 4 really tells us a lot about David. Because, Samuel, if you and I were running for our lives separated from our family, and we have a ragtag army, which means just a few hundred men, probably not equipped very well, hiding in caves against 10,000s of 10,000s of soldiers that are trying to catch us and destroy us. Probably my first request is, God, woe is me. God, deliver me from Saul, from Shaul. Mm -hmm. God, you promised me to be king, and this is what you have promised, and I'm going to stand on your promise, and I want it right now. If I had one request, that's what it is going to be. Mm -hmm. Take away Shaul. Take away his life. Lord, give me freedom. Give me liberty. But remember, David is the only man in the Bible described as a man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. So in verse 4, and originally there's not chapters and verses. We say that all the time. But this statement's going to come forth after he's talking about a unconditional faith in God. Look at verse 3. A host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Not because of his strength, but because of who God is. Right. The Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. And that's going to flow into the next statement in verse 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. So when you look at this or in his sanctuary, because Mm -hmm. the temple in Jerusalem is not even built at this time. And David is wanting to build the temple, but God does not even permit him to build the temple. He gets all the materials ready for his son, Slomo, Solomon, to build. But what he is saying here in this verse is not many different things that he's asking from God. He is saying, one thing I have asked from the Lord, one thing, this is the priority in his life, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. I believe that it is showing a picture of being in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Just being in the presence and the peace of God within his life and that he is right with God, he's in right relationship with God, and he can worship God and meditate in his presence. Right. I you know, have a, I, an interesting thought on this. Right now, I'm in the middle of a living situation and I'm living with people. and You're homeless I, <laughs> in one sense. In one sense, yeah. And when you when you live with somebody, it's almost impossible for you not to get a deeper sense of who they are than somebody that does not live with them. If you're living in the same house as somebody, you're constantly around them. 
you see them at all of their high points and low points, and you, you know so much more intimate details about that person. And so living in somebody's house all the days of your life, living in somebody, living in the house of the Lord really spells out this deep desire I think David has to really know God. To know him, yes. And I, all I want is just to know God. Mm-hmm. That's all I want is to be around him, to know the intimate details of the Lord, to be in his presence, like you said. Of all the things that he could have, that's the one thing. That's yeah. the one thing that he wants, and that's the one thing that he seeks. If you have that one thing set on your heart and your mind, of course, why would you fear? Yes. You know, why would you, why would you need to care about the hosts encamped around you? Yes. Paul is going to say it this way in, in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? Right. If God, if I'm living under the favor and the will of God, who can be against me? Mm-hmm. If I know him, I, I agree fully of what you're saying there that I've never thought of it in that sense. But to live in his house, to live in his presence is really to know him. Mm-hmm. And so David's desire in his heart is to know him, to be in his presence, to be in his favor, to live in the center of God's will. Right. And if we are right there, that's always the safest place to be. Mm-hmm. Even if you're hiding out in caves in En Gedi. Right. You know, I, I see it as one of the most beautiful places on earth to go to En Gedi. But David is in a totally different context. <laughs> he's not there on vacation. No, he's not on vacation. Mm-hmm. He's not on a hike. He's right. there on a survival mission. Right. And so that's a totally different context than the way that we see it today. But his desire is to know God to be in right relationship with God, to know the peace of God, to know the favor of God, and to be in the center of God's will. This is what he is expressing by saying this, and I want to read it one more time. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his sanctuary or in his temple. Because in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. Now, this is going back to that confidence in God that the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. So what will I seek? To know him, to be in right relationship with him, to meditate and to be in the center of his will. And because that's my focus in my life Mm -hmm. in the day of trouble. He does not say God will take away the day of Mm -hmm. trouble. But he says, for in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. And I think that that's so cool given the context of the situation where David is being hunted in these caves. And he's having the faith to say, in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle in the secret place of his tent he will hide me he will lift me up on a rock he has that faith in god because he wants to know god and he knows the character and promises of god he has that faith to be able to say i'm not sure what the future brings nobody does but i have faith that god will do this because the faith is in god Mm -hmm. that is knowing god relationship with God, a man after God's own heart, he has complete unconditional faith in God. And so, of course, that is his outlook in Mm -hmm. life. God has already promised him and anointed him through Samuel 
that he would be the king of Israel. Mm -hmm. This is God speaking to his life. This is God's doing. So even though an army surrounds me, I'm not going to fear because right. my faith is in God. God is my light and God is my salvation. So it's not about me and my mental capacities of what I can convince myself of what's going to take place is in who God is mm -hmm. and in his character, like you said, and knowing him, out of that comes these statements. Right. Even though he's living in the midst of a very bad situation for his life, contextually. Mm -hmm. Let's go to verse 6. And now my head will be lifted above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. So again, those statements coming out of who God is and shouts of joy, with shouts of joy, I will sacrifice in his tent. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto my Lord. The, the sacrifices, the praises unto God, my, my exalting of him will take place because of who God is. God is my light. God is my salvation. Mm -hmm. Whom shall I fear? I'm not going to fear what's going on. My focus is on God and his character. Right. I mean, I think you just said it was declaring who God is at the start of the passage starts this snowball of revelation where David's saying, because of who God is, it, it causes me to have faith in him during these times. Because of who God is, I'll shout with joy. Knowing that, knowing, having that revelation of God's character and his promises, that just causes you to have such peace and joy in your heart that you want to sing. Yes. You want to shout. And remember in the beginning of verse 5, for in the day of trouble, mm -hmm. he is not having a faith that's going to try to eliminate trouble. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle, mm -hmm. in the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. So in the midst of the trouble that he's in, he's going to put his faith in God and trust that everything that God has spoken to his life will come true. Right. Now let's look at the rest of this. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious unto me and answer me. It's interesting that David constantly and consistently cries out for the grace of God. He says, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. So when the call came to him, seek me, David, look, at, look unto me. Go back to verse 4 and look at what it says in verse 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek. So David understands within his life to seek the Lord is so important within his life. And then when you go to this verse, verse 8, when you said, when God said unto me, seek my face, my heart said to you, not just a verbalization, okay, Lord, my heart said, uh, my voice says this, but my heart said unto you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Because God knows the heart. Mm -hmm. And constantly, David is saying, God, search my heart. And what right. he is saying in this song, he is saying, my heart said unto you, God, 
Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. This is coming from the innermost being of David and his relationship with God. My heart is saying, Your face, God, I shall seek. Mm -hmm. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me. O God of my salvation. My salvation. Do you know the name Yeshua? The name for Jesus in the Hebrew Aramaic pronunciation is salvation. So he is saying, O God, my salvation. For my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. So when you look at this, there's this indication that he believes that his mother and his father are not loyal to him. Right. But God is a faithful God. He can count on God. He can trust God that God is his help and God will not abandon him at all. And so, O God, my salvation. Verse 10 again. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, But the Lord, the great I am, will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. What is the desire of the adversaries? Mm -hmm. To destroy him and to kill him. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence. Mm -hmm. Any person that's being attacked, there will be lies that are said against that individual. And probably throughout the whole land of Israel, there are lies being perpetuated about David and this army and about his character and what he's trying to do. And probably even in that context, he felt his mother and his father had forsaken him. But God will not forsake him. And one of the worst things, Samuel, to go through is when people are lying about you, there's not anything that you can do about it. Yeah. You know, we can't, back then, you can't, cannot go on social media and start debating with people over, over what they're saying about you. Today, we live in a culture that people just attack all the time. And sometimes it's lie after lie, wave after wave of falsehoods that Mm -hmm. come against you. And here is David in a culture he cannot even respond. Right. He's just hiding out for his life. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think something really important for uh, Americans listening to understand is that the Middle Eastern culture is more built on a shame and honor system. Yes. And we may think, well, David is innocent. He's done nothing bad. He shouldn't, you know, he's innocent. There's no guilt for him because we are more founded on an innocent, guilty system here. So if someone is innocent, then they don't have any shame, they're fine, they can be endorsed, it's okay. More and more today, we're seeing a little bit of the shame and honor system trickle in to where people are publicly shamed for something that society does not believe in. Yes. And that is their penalty, that is their punishment, is being cast out by society, being shamed, being canceled. Right. by society. In this time, we can kind of empathize with David knowing that he's going through something similar where people are coming up against him. He's done nothing wrong. He's innocent. But people are shaming him in Israel. With falsehoods. With yeah. falsehoods, things that are not true. And they're shaming him publicly. And that is the ultimate punishment 
in society. Not only is it bad that he's being hunted for his life, not only is it bad that he's having to hide in caves with very little men around him to support him, but he's being shamed by society. He's an outcast yes. right now. And the shaming gives him the validity to go after him many times. Right. You see, in the Middle Eastern culture that I've lived in for about 20 years, that if you shame your family, if you bring shame to your family, you can actually be killed. And sometimes it's called a honor killing. Mm-hmm. Here you're looking, I'm glad that you brought up that culture that is so strong in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I would never shame my family. To shame my family, wow, people commit suicide mm-hmm. uh, when they shame their family because of the dishonor that it brought to them. Right. Here in America, we, you know, we're just individuals. I don't care. This is my life. I do whatever I want to do. But now we're living in a culture mm-hmm. that they're trying to attack people and shame them publicly and they're losing their jobs. There are all kinds of things of consequences because of this shame culture that's very strong here now. Right. And I'm glad you identified that because it hasn't always been that way in the past here. So he's being shamed. People are lying about him. He he feels that his mother and his father have forsaken him, Mm -hmm. but God will not forsake him. The Lord will take me up. Even if my father and mother are not speaking on my behalf, the Lord is the one that brings vindication. Mm -hmm. And so let's go to verse 13. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If it wasn't for God, the great I am, the personal name for God there, the Lord, Mm -hmm. I would have despaired. And this is what we have been talking about all the way through this. Is this, this is one of the reasons why I love this psalm. And it's one of my favorites, probably my favorite psalm, is because it's all about who God is. Mm-hmm. He would have despaired when he's looking at everything that's going on, unless I had believed, I had faith that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that I would see God in his faithfulness, who is my light and my salvation, bring me through all of this trouble, and my hope is in him, and my future is in him. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about God here. It doesn't have anything to do about David. Mm -hmm. And I want people that are listening to understand this, that many times we're listening to sermons and teaching about our future, and it's all about what God will do for us. But this whole prayer is about who God is and how faithful that, is, that God is. And his yeah. trust is in God, not in his situation, that God is a faithful God, and God will bring him through all of this because God has promised him something. Yeah, I think it's verse 14 really jumps out to you. He's explaining himself this whole time. He's saying, I, me, this is something I've gone through. And then he turns and talks in the second person. He's saying, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Like he's talking to someone else. And so the whole thing just, the perspective changes. He's Mm -hmm. not talking about this for himself. He's saying, listen, This is what has happened to me. So now you, knowing this, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take Take courage. courage. Mm -hmm. Yes, wait for the Lord. He's he's saying, 
I'm not saying this for my benefit. I'm not, I'm not, you know, detailing this song so that I can have a chronicle in history. So I can have my name, you know, written out in history and all these details be written down. This song is so that other people can see this is who God is. Yes, exactly. This is about God. This is not about my life. This is about God and who he is. My life is just an example. It's a testimony of, of who yes, God is. Now exactly. you... You exactly. He's he's given his personal experience mm-hmm. through this Hebrew song that's meant as praise unto God to be an avenue of witness to people. Mm-hmm. Now be patient. Take courage. Mm-hmm. I've gone through this and God will be faithful in your life as well. God promised me a lot of things from the past, mm-hmm. but the situation did not look like it. And he promised me that I would be king over Israel. Mm -hmm. I'm going through this right now. I'm going through the worst time in my life, probably the the most difficult time in my life, but I'm putting my faith and trust in Mm -hmm. God. Be patient. Take courage. It is a witness to others to believe and have faith and trust in God. Yes. And the whole if you go through Psalm chapter 27 and you come away thinking, where is God? Uh, What do I do in my life? And I'm still discouraged. The problem is not with God. The problem is with you. Put your eyes on God. Understand the character of God, how much God loves you, and that God will see you through this if your focus is upon God. Don't try to envision the results. Let the results be in God's hands. And God knows better than you know. Just be faithful to God. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come against me, you say, they stumble and they fell. I I don't stumble and I do not fall as long as I'm trusting in God. Mm -hmm. My circumstances may be horrible. That's what people don't understand. They may be horrible, but if I trust in God, I'm not stumbling and I'm not falling because I belong to God. Mm-hmm. What is important is that I live a life of knowing God in the center of God's will, being in fellowship with God, knowing the presence of God in his hand upon my life. If I'm going to ask one thing, that is what I will seek. Because in the day of trouble, he will conceal me. You see, going back, an army uh, surrounds me. I'm not going to fear because God is with me. God is a faithful God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to know him. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me. He will hide me. He will lift me up upon a rock. You see, all of these things are coming out of a relationship with God, of knowing who God is. And I love how you bring out that last verse. He turns it from his life experience that he's going through, and he puts it upon the listener. You be patient. Let's read that verse again. Mm -hmm. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And David was going to have to do a lot of waiting Mm -hmm. in his life to see the promises of God fulfilled where he could experience and see it with his own eyes. This is not something he's just preaching. This is something he's going through in his own personal life. 
And so let it be a message to us. If you're discouraged, that's okay. Put your eyes on God. If you feel like giving up, all of us have felt in that way. Put your eyes on God. Know God. Live in a relationship and fellowship with God, and God will take you through that day of trouble and put the results in God's hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you that Samuel and I could bring this weekly message of teaching and preaching and proclaiming your word. And God, just like David had an unconditional faith and trust in you, God, in our hearts, Lord, we seek you. From our heart, we seek you. And Lord, let us have a supernatural faith that's unconditional. Not conditional where we have to have this or that or all these things have to line up the way that we want them to line up. But God, let us have an unconditional faith and trust in you and just rest in you and wait upon you and to be strong in you and to take courage in you, Lord, and who you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.